Hello, and welcome to another episode of Strategic Alternatives, the RBC M&A podcast. I'm Vito Sperduto, Global Head of Mergers and Acquisitions at RBC Capital Markets. And today I'm joining you from RBC's Global TIMT, Technology, Internet, Media, and Telecom Conference here in New York City. Today I'm joined by Andy Lipman, who is a partner at Morgan Lewis, based in D.C. Andy practices in most aspects of communications law and related fields, including regulatory, transactional, litigation, legislative, and land use. And very topical, Andy's here today to talk to us a bit about the antitrust landscape. And earlier today, we had Jonathan Cantor, the Assistant Attorney General in DOJ responsible for antitrust, uh, as part of a panel discussion at our conference. And it certainly provoked a number of questions for Andy and I. So, Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Vito. It's a pleasure to be here, a pleasure to be participating at this uh, RBC conference, as I have many years in the past. Let's start. I think the um, the current administration through the DOJ and the FTC has certainly taken a, a more aggressive approach to antitrust enforcement. They've challenged a number of high profile mergers. When they've gone to fruition, as we all talk about, the record has not been great. They've won one case in the publishing space and there's been seven others that the, the, the companies have won. But you know, there are draft merger guidelines out there right now. And as you emphasized to me earlier, these are guidelines. Help our, our audience think through, you know, what your expectations are from a go forward perspective. How do you think the administration is going to continue to apply, you know, the these guidelines and the cases they're pursuing? And, you know, we'll get into a bit of sort of how it impacts some of our key clients that are here today. Sure. So, I mean, I think it's important to realize that this administration's philosophy on competition and regulation is different, materially different than other administrations, including other Democratic administrations, you know, the Obama and Clinton administrations, for example. And I think you need to go back to the early days of the Biden administration and the fact that the progressive wing of the party was very disappointed that there were no progressive cabinet officers. So the consolation prize is that a lot of the antitrust authority and regulators were uh, positions that the progressives had a say in. And this was largely coordinated by Tim Wu, former, or existing now, former uh, Columbia law professor who actually came up with the terminology network neutrality. And Tim helped recruit people to the government in terms of Lena Kahn, Jessica Rosenworcel at the FCC, Jonathan Cantor, who had a, a much more aggressive philosophy, more progressive, friendly philosophy on competition. And, you know, this was embodied in an executive order that the president signed that largely Tim Wu wrote that, you know, criticized past enforcement actions in antitrust, you know, that they weren't tough enough. They were also, in Tim's view, the president's view, too one-dimensional. They didn't take into account the perspective of workers. They didn't take into perspective the perspective of the community. They didn't take in, per, in per perspective of, you know, the, the larger industry. I mean, they were very focused on, you know, one dimension and that was the impact on prices. And so you have a philosophy now 
that really wants to go back from the Bork philosophy of the 70s to the earlier Brandeis philosophy to taking a much more holistic view on mergers and consolidation. And I think that is the key difference now from what we've seen in the past. And look, I think one of the things that I often think about and was brought up in the panel discussion earlier today is as we think about the merger guidelines or the merger rules that were existing, which were put in place in 2010, you know, certainly there's been a ton of advancement. And the companies, for instance, at our conference today across technology and internet, media, and telecom have grown dramatically. They've expanded dramatically. There's new technologies out there. Everybody's talking about generative AI, including the administration, trying to put some, some rails on it. And I think it's fair to say that the agencies are trying to catch up to this new environment. And so part of it's applying some of the older rules, but it's also having to modernize them. As you look at some of the, the draft merger guidelines, do you think that they're they've made uh, enough of a, of a move? Do you think that they've been overly aggressive and too ambitious here because they know they're gonna get scaled back? I um, mean, how would you characterize them in, in the grand scheme of things? So you're correct, they're draft merger guidelines. And you know, I personally think it's you know, a good idea to revisit these guidelines periodically, you know, maybe once a decade or, or so particularly now, just given the incredible rapid advances in technology that, you know, we've seen punctuated at this conference. But, you know, this is a much more aggressive view. I mean, what Jonathan was, was saying is that in many cases, he doesn't believe structural remedies were effective. Okay, if you recall Macon Darahim, who was Trump's antitrust chief, you know, his mantra is we don't want to do behavioral remedies, we want to do structural remedies, okay? And then if you go back to you know the Obama era, I mean, the Obama DOJ was criticized for allowing mergers to go through without structural remedies, with behavioral remedies, like Live Nation Ticketmaster, okay? Google ITA, you know, Comcast, NBC Universal. So we've gone from behavioral remedies to non-behavioral remedies, structural remedies, to now, you know, structural remedies are often ineffective. So, I mean, we've taken a journey that, you know, puts much greater headwinds on potential consolidation. And look, as I think about it as an M&A practitioner, I'm sure yourself in terms of providing legal counsel to clients, we're trying to advance the view as to how the agencies are going to look at a specific transaction very early in the process. I think, you know, someone said earlier today, normally that was brought up once all the deal terms are understood. Well, today you have to probably address it at the same time as you're considering the initial steps of a process. You're absolutely right. And yeah, I know I've worked with RBC bankers and you guys are very thoughtful in terms of doing that. And, and I think that's the, the right approach. I mean, of course, not only does it impact the terms and conditions of the purchase agreement, but, you know, I think it's instructive to the boards in terms of, you know, what the probability is and what the timing is and what the conditions are, if any, to a, uh, a, a transaction. 
So, I mean, I think it has to be a threshold consideration, you know, these days. I mean, if nothing else, just the timing issues, you know, in a period of rising interest rates or at least high interest rates, having a merger take 50% longer than it did a decade ago could be killing uh, the deal from the get-go. So, I mean, I, I think you almost have to work backwards from some of these competition issues. The fact that it's going to take longer to close a transaction is a simple deterrent in itself, which I think is what some what the agencies are trying to accomplish in some cases. Just as we think about that, we're, we're heading into 24, which is a, a significant election year, uh, which you know certainly there's been a lot of run up to it. Do you think that the stance of the agencies will soften any from a combination of the fact that we're going into an election year and also the fact that They've had some high-profile losses where I think in some of the cases, to, to paraphrase, and I'm, I'm not an attorney, but to paraphrase what I read, uh, it was, well, remedies were suggested and you didn't take them into account. And so I think that you know, litigating the fix as we talk about it with a number of clients and the fact that you've suggested remedies, so you know, let's try to get that proven out in court. You know, do you think that the agencies have so- are going to soften their stances at all or, or, or are you seeing no signs of that? It's a great question because I would say historically as you entered, say, the last six months before a presidential election, agencies did often soften their stances. I think now it's almost the opposite. I think now this administration is so concerned about energizing its base and the populist you know, part of that base that I think the agencies we're talking about, not just DOJ, the FTC, but the FCC as well, are actually going to double down and put on a more of a full court press to be even more aggressive to, to punctuate you know, that position. I mean, especially, you know, when it comes to a lot of the platform companies, you know, which, you know, what wasn't mentioned explicitly by Attorney General Cantor, but, you know, it was clearly in the air. No, I, I, you know, we're watching that closely in terms of the platform companies and then also a little bit unrelated to some of the companies we have here today in some other spaces from a roll-up perspective and private equity. There's certainly a very significant case that the FTC is pursuing that is trying to take on private equity uh, that traditionally has a pretty strong thesis around roll-ups. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that it's interesting to watch that. Do, do you think that the focus is going to continue to be on some of the key industries. So certainly the technology players and the like, and therefore other more traditional industries like some of the industrial players and and so forth are gonna be a little bit more below the radar. Do you think there's gonna be any difference in application based on what industry you're in? I think there's a priority dealing with consumer facing businesses. Yeah, and that would include the internet, telecom, you know, pharmaceuticals, you know, retail, auto, healthcare, and and so on. And, you know, the agencies are necessarily resource limited. But, you know, if there was a transaction, just say in trucking or concrete, you know, that was blatantly anti-competitive, I have no doubt that the agencies would, you know, get involved. But the priority seems to be, and this was even in the executive order from President Biden on focusing on, 
you know, including agriculture, you know, consumer facing industries. And of course, that gets back to your last question because that's the those are the sectors that the voters care about. Yeah, no, agree. I mean, very few few people go to the polls and vote based on concrete consolidation. Exactly. Different agency, the FCC, and if you think about some of their priorities, and you know, there's obviously a Democratic majority there. How do you see that intersecting with some of the policies that the DOJ and the Federal Trade Commission are trying to pursue? You know, are, are they similar? Are they, they have the similar intent and, and goal at the end? You know, what's the overlap? It all goes back to what we we're talking about at the top of the podcast, and that is President Biden's executive order. You know, the whole of government approach. And the FCC has bought off on that entirely. And much more so recently, because it's only been two months, you know, only two months into what's now almost a three-year administration that there's a Democratic majority at the FCC. It was deadlocked 2-2. So, you know, there is a full court press by Chairwoman Rosenworcel to push an agenda through, including network neutrality. But today was the FCC's monthly meeting, and they came out with a very controversial order on digital discrimination, okay, which was a 3-2 vote. Republicans, you know, strenuously opposed it that are impacting not only intentional digital discrimination, but unintentional discrimination. So even if there is a disparate impact, okay, it was done unintentionally on speeds, on, you know, marketing, on prices, the FCC could intervene and not just for dominant carriers, but all carriers, including competitive non-dominant carriers. So, and that was basically just taking like a, a very short provision of the Infrastructure Act and uh, interpreting that very expansively. So, I mean, that really goes to the Biden all of, of, of approach, which, you know, a lot of people support. And that is that, you know, the agency should focus on digital equality, social equality, racial equality, you know, and, and the like. Now, I mean, one can argue whether that fits within the jurisdiction of the FCC. One could argue, is that a role that government should play? But nonetheless, I mean, that's very much a priority of this administration. And the FCC is entirely on board with that, or at least the three Democrats are. <laughs> One other topic I wanted to cover is just, we've talked a lot about the U.S. regulators. Are you seeing that the DOJ and, and FTC are catching up to where some of the foreign regulators are? Or has been some of the dispersion in Europe and the growth in the U.K. provided sort of additional parties that now have to opine when there's transactions? Like, is everybody just trying to carve out their piece of the world here? Like, how, how are you seeing it? No, we are seeing a balkanization. And I think, you know, a good example is uh, Activision Microsoft, where you had EU, where you had UK, you know, reviews. I mean, a number of deals are falling by the wayside in China because of lack of Mofcom um, approval. So, and we've seen Brazil taking a more active role in other countries as well. So it clearly impacts uh, global consolidation. Um, and the agencies, or particularly the UK, EU, US agencies, are 
clearly in communications. I think, you know, Attorney General Cantor was was pretty clear about that. And I think the EU and UK in particular has taken a, a, a very strong position on competition, maybe after Activision, you know, that may recede. But, you know, that's often going to be the long pole in the tent. Yeah. Now, it'll be interesting to watch how that plays out and how it all relates together. You know, one other thing I'm keeping track of is, you know, you look at something like some of the action the FTC's taken or the DOJ have taken against, say, Google and and some of what they're doing around search. And then you have um, Google right now this week in court with regards to the Epic Games lawsuit that's going on. I got to imagine that if you're sitting there in, in D.C., that they're watching closely that case and what Epic brings to bear, maybe doing some work for the agencies uh, against Google. It's clearly on the radar. Yeah. Clearly on the radar. And yeah, there's more coordination than I've seen historically. Yeah, no, clearly. So look, I really thank you so much for being here today. This has been a a great conversation and I think it's something we're gonna wanna continue as we see more of this develop going forward. All right, Vito, thanks and thank you to RBC. You've been listening to Strategic Alternatives, the RBC M&A podcast. Join us for more analysis about what's moving the M&A markets in our next episode. If you'd like more information on the topics discussed today, please contact us directly or visit rbccm.com backslash strategic alternatives. This podcast was recorded on November 15th, 2023. If you're enjoying Strategic Alternatives, don't miss an episode. Subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please drop us a review and or comment. Thank you. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives. For disclosures, please visit www.rbccm.com disclosure.